0: Today, we are shifting our focus back to the core of this podcast and getting a bit more intimate with each other through conversations about our own experiences with sex and spirituality. I thought it would be beneficial for our listeners to know more about our co-hosts, so as to understand some of our foundational philosophies, perspectives, and backgrounds. So cozy up, sip a potion or elixir with us, and let's get intimate. I'm your host, Tosca, and I'm sitting down with co hosts Bella, Tony, and Phoenix. So, I've had a few of our listeners reach out and ask about our own personal sexualities, and I would love for us to open up and share. How do we identify?
1: Um, I identify as a queer femme
2: woman, and I use femme pronouns, so she, her. Phoenix here, and I'm actually in the same situation as Bella. Um, I've, When I was younger, I used to say bi until I realized it was more less of a binary thing and more of a very fluid thing. So I often just use the word uh, queer or fluid, um, but I identify as a woman, female she and her.
3: Yeah, my sexuality has also changed because of my awareness of binary impositions of the patriarchy. So, as someone who used to say I'm bi, now I'm a little bit more pansexual and uh, polyamorous. So, that's that's how I identify.
0: Tosca here. So, I identify as bisexual. Um, for me, I, I think it ties into how I'm a Gemini, and I just <laughs> really like identifying as bisexual. It just feels, it resonates for me. Um, I also am polyamorous, um, and I do feel that for me, identifying as a submissive is a huge part of my uh, sexual identity as well. Look at us, no straighties among us. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I mean, I always believed in that spectrum of sexuality. Yeah. Anyway, there was never a guy that I ever met that I was like, wow. In a situation, he wouldn't. Mm. I know that, mm-hmm. and I know that guys are guys are more often uh, resistant to exploring the things that might mean. See being seen as less masculine mm, I think that's really true I think for some
1: men that sexual orientation can be really polarized and I think for most women that I've encountered it tends to be a little more fluid and relaxed
0: mm. so how did we discover our sexual identities
1: hmm Well, I think much like my co-host, I've begun identifying as bisexual before stumbling across queer. Um, for me, it started with my friends ruthlessly teasing me that I was in love with one of my friends and I was like, shut up. I'm not. That's gross. I was like 14 or whatever. And, uh, oh, I should have mentioned my, one of my friends who is female, um, And then I just eventually embraced that overthinking, just threw it out the window and was like, okay, if this person was male, would I be in love with them? Yes. So that was the slippery slippery slope into my queerdom. I identified as bisexual for a long time and that didn't really sit very well with me as I just, it felt like it boxed me in. I'm a Scorpio rising and it just felt like... Oh, I don't know, there wasn't enough freedom in there. So as I stumbled upon my queer identity, that just resonated so deeply with me. And like Tosca was mentioning earlier, about BDSM being sort of part of your sexual identity, I deeply relate with that as well. And my submissiveness is certainly something I've explored
2: and embraced more and more as each year passes. Oh my gosh, Bella, I could not stop smiling the entire time you were speaking, um, because I've actually had um, some really similar experiences as far as being bullied. Um, So, oh, Phoenix, by the way. So in seventh grade, I was um, bullied really hard for having a really short haircut, and I had only... You know, pecked, kissed, like, one boy, and I, it was, like, really silly how much you're teased at that age for, like, not doing more. And a lot of kids in my school were, like, moving really fast, and I was kind of, like, afraid almost of sex at the time. And I actually ended up getting suspended at one point because a girl thought I looked at her in the locker room. So between the short haircut and that, I was literally like basically being tormented and called a dyke and all these things. And I was going through like really heavy depression. And I kind of just one day realized that like even though they were bullying me and I was like fighting it, um, while those two things weren't the markers for what it actually was, I actually did find myself attracted to pretty much anyone that I found attractive Mm -hmm. and it wasn't necessarily those those weren't the markers for me. It wasn't like I wasn't even interested in that girl in the locker room that was bullying me or and the short hair was just because I wanted to look like a certain hair ad that I saw in a magazine and it didn't come out right. Um, but actually I was involved with women before I was ever involved with men. Um, and I experimented with friends, um, from a pretty young age. And so I just kind of found that I wanted to do whatever felt good with whichever human that felt good with at the time.
0: Yes. Yeah, it's just that simple. Honestly. And I
2: also agree with, um, what you both said about BDSM. Although, um, I am predominantly been a bratty bottom in my personal life. I do identify as a switch. And that's definitely been a consistent part of my life for, wow, um, well over a decade. So (laughs) That's
3: so amazing, Phoenix. Thank you so much for sharing because bullying is really not cool. And seventh grade was, I I would wager, hard for most of us. Mm -hmm. And we all grew into lovely, vast human beings. (laughs) So regardless, we will make it. (laughs) It's so hard. Um, But I identified with your bratty bottom right there at the Mm -hmm. end. Shout out to all the brats listening. (laughs) (laughs) I've had men try so hard to get me to dominate them, and I'm like, no. But then I just end up dominating them from underneath, so it doesn't matter. Mm. Um, Yeah, exactly. You're you're like, I'm going to get it done one way or the other. (laughs) Uh, I discovered my sexuality really early on. I remember in like pre-k kindergarten i had a boyfriend and a girlfriend and my girlfriend had a boyfriend and Whoa. sometimes we would sleep with each other during nap time and sometimes we would switch who we slept next to oh my god this is too cute <laughs> um and i i remember kissing her first for sure um but i didn't think much of it because women are inarguably the more beautiful sex <laughs> and i i sort of reconciled it because i grew up roman catholic and mm. of course i love women i love everyone and everybody puts on you oh you're so cute you're gonna be boy crazy you're gonna be a mm. heartbreaker all of these things which honestly everybody's trying to live vicariously through your little body and it's all sorts of weird um but the first mm. even the first porno- Graphic scene that I was interested in. It was two women and a man, and it was not about that man at all. Um, <laughs> yeah. It just really wasn't. And so it's sort of, I, I was following what people were saying and going towards men. And there was a girl that was interested in me, and I didn't realize she was interested until she said it. And I was like, oh, the door is open. I can tell her that I'm interested too. We're still very good friends. And um, She was like the first girl I took to a high school dance. And my parents were super cool about it because they didn't think anything of it. And I was like, no, 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 that girl's my date. I'm telling you very honestly, that person is is the girl I'm interested in. And if we have a sleepover, I'm praying something happens. And my parents were like, that's cute. So then when I came out, I was like, no, mom, I'm interested in women. She's like, "Mm -mm, no, that's a phase. And I was like, mommy, look at me. Tell me truly. And she was like you always were a little dykey (laughs) and that's my mom. And I love her for it because it's true. I was always just a little bit of a bruiser and, and I don't identify as being like completely into anybody because if you can't hold a conversation, you probably can't handle any of this anyhow.
0: Mm. (laughs) Wow. So many similarities between us all. Um, I feel like my journey with defining and exploring my sexual identity has been an ebb and flow. Um, I think I've naturally always been very sexual. Um, and yet I've always been very naturally like super feminine. Mm -hmm. Like I was playing tea parties, like super hardcore up until like, I still play tea parties. Um, but for me, like I, I knew that I was attracted to women from a very young age. And, um, I think that Phoenix touched upon it that like she explored with some friends when she was younger. And like, I have so many memories of doing that in a very like safe, like play kind of environment when I was very young. Um, But I remember distinctly, I like found a chat room when I was like 12 years old. And then I had this like girlfriend who lived like super far away. And I don't even know if like that person was an actual girl. Like you never know with the internet, especially back then. Um, but like, I just knew like, like I really wanted to be with women, but, um, I've always had an issue with, I've always had an issue with accepting myself and, um, I kind of have a vision of who I think I need to be. And then if I don't fit into a certain mold, I'll kind of like chop off parts of myself and compartmentalize and save them for later. Um, which is an unhealthy pattern that I have been working on a lot, um, in a lot of different ways, but. For me, I I thought like oh that's not normal and I don't want to be that and so um, put that away and I I was not sexual throughout high school um, and I lost my virginity at 18. I think I was a little bit of a late bloomer, but you know since then like I I have definitely started to embrace that I am attracted to to all kinds of people um, no matter the gender. And it wasn't until like a year and a half ago that I started to say that I was bisexual. Um, mm-hmm. I don't even know if I've like actually spoken it to a lot of people, uh, but I've started to like have like relationships or experiences with women since, since then and more so this past year. So mm-hmm. it's been a journey uh, with BDSM though, that identity was claimed about five years ago and Going hard ever since. <laughs> <laughs> so spiritually, I am very curious how we all identify because I think we all come from different backgrounds. And I don't actually know if you guys identify as religious in any way. Um, I know a lot of the spiritual practices that we do are very similar, and yet I was curious to know, like spiritually, like how do we identify?
1: Hmm. I don't have a very specific spiritual identity. Uh, I grew up being raised by my mother, who is a psychic medium. So I'm a second generation psychic medium. So I was raised understanding that there was life after death and kind of all of the ramifications of that knowledge, I guess. So I was always raised in that environment that is not particularly religious but super spiritual we also like observed the seasons and had practices around that i went to a waldorf steiner school which i don't know if you guys are familiar with but um is like i guess a little bit pagan in its mm-hmm. own way um preschool oh yeah oh man it's the best um so that definitely like deepened my more like pagan and witchy practices that i that i still carry on with me now so I just identify as someone who is deeply spiritual but not affiliated if that makes sense I don't particularly like any organizing of religion for me as a person um no judgment to anyone who loves and gets value from that but for me it's important that I treat myself as my judge and my juror and I feel good about what I do and I don't export that out to anybody
2: else?
0: Um,
2: For me, um, I was actually raised Roman Catholic, and then I found out um, through a family member that was adopted that I actually have Celtic ancestry. And so I identify as a gray witch, and most of my practices tend to be between, I mean, more or less resonate most with like a pagan or neo-pagan practice. Um, but much like Bella said, I really dislike organ- uh, organized religion. Uh, I left, th- uh, the church before becoming confirmed as a child for a reason, because I didn't want to get up in front of a people and lie that I was going to carry on my life a specific way that I did not intend on doing. Um, I very much resonate with, with nature and energy and love and respect. And, you know, practice things by the wheel of the year. So I do um, spiritually lean more that way. And I also really like science. Mm -hmm. So I find some sort of balance between my love of nature Mm -hmm. and um, regarding energy and meditation and all of these things along with, you know, things that I can... I also like cold, hard facts sometimes too, but a lot of the things that I practice aren't things that are tangible. Yeah. So I don't judge, you know, I have family members of mine that still uh, pray to a mono, you know, while I'm more a little bit essentially polytheistic in that regard, if I'm like calling on these goddesses and um, guides, ancestors and everything like that. Whereas I might have members of my family who are actually very monotheistic and I don't judge it because I can't say, Oh, well, how do you believe in that? Because they don't question my beliefs. Mm-hmm. So they don't really understand my beliefs <laughs> but they don't question them. They just sort of let me mm-hmm. do my thing. So um that's yeah, it sounds like we relate on a lot of things mm-hmm. in this group.
3: Yeah, I mean I was Roman Catholic, and very much so. I was a very religious child. I loved going to church. I loved all of the ritual in it. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until right before my confirmation that I was, like, asking all of the questions. And Mm -hmm. it was really hard for the people that were dealing with me because I like facts Mm -hmm. and I like to read and I knew things forward and backwards and they couldn't give me the answers I was looking for. But I did get confirmed because Mm -hmm. my parents were very adamant about it. And I found the things within that religion that I could say, yes, I am going to carry forth this wisdom. Yes, this spirit is inside of me and will guide me. Um, whether I believe in the Holy Trinity, it's a different sort of story. Um, I found Buddhism Mm -hmm. in high school, I had to read Siddhartha, Mm -hmm. and it was the best book anyone could have ever made me read. Um, I love that Buddhism is not a religion. It is a spiritual practice, and it's very practical. So it's like, oh, you're having this type of thought. Take this thought, honor it, find a different thought, follow that flow, Mm -hmm. put into the world Mm -hmm. what you want to get out of it. Um, So if I were to say where my spiritual books are a lot of them are Buddhist books and Buddhist practices and different gurus that I like to read because they offer wisdom but also yeah it's like call on the gods and goddesses they're here for you you have the ancient wisdom Uh, so between that and my yogic background which is also not a religion but a spiritual practice it's a lifestyle just because I don't get up and do five Surya Namaskar A's and five Surya Namaskar B's and lay down for 20 minutes. And in shavasana doesn't mean that i'm not being yogic in the way that i deal with traffic mm-hmm. or the weather or your car breaking down when you're away somewhere you know these are all things that are practices uh, so yeah science is part of all of it always because it's through the structure of science that all of the magic of the world can happen
2: so got a lot of that if i can interject you, one please. thing really quick tony um the thing you were saying about ritual and catholicism mm-hmm. i forgot completely that i was also an altar girl at one point and in the, mm-hmm. on the choir i was yes. like heavily involved yeah my mother played piano in the church and everything I was and actually best still friends does. with my priests man but isn't catholicism not like all that ritual is it not the most goth of all <laughs> <laughs> it absolutely is yeah Just all of a sudden like, they're speaking and in tongues. All, the censer the and the incense and the burn, and so i didn't that in any way influence you more so towards your craft now?
3: Oh, yeah. I mean, I think the... is the, that funny? <laughs> I'm just imagining all of the, like... Catholicism
2: <laughs> is. is so goth. Like, <laughs> it is. It is. I,
3: I want to talk about a meme, but I'm not going to do that instead. But there's a funny <laughs> meme about goth music and God's music and how they intersect. <laughs> it's just a good day to die is all. So, um, <laughs> yeah, all that ritual has definitely inspired me to be more ritualistic and and practical in my magic Mm -hmm. in my witchcraft in who the fuck i am really like i'm just trying to get up every day and be that consistent and that dramatic honestly Mm -hmm. cover me in gold i am val god, i think i think that was blaspheme it's okay though right (laughs) um so yeah, I think liking this incense and finding the, the sense that connect me with higher spirits and language, language is really important to me. And I had the benefit of being at a church in Pennsylvania that was practically a cathedral and they would speak in Latin and it would just be me being moved by words that I didn't necessarily know the, the meanings to, but I could feel the meaning. Mm. And so with, buddhism and yoga when we get back to sanskrit i'm really in my element
0: Mm. yeah Mm. wow the rituals is really resonating for me i did not grow up christian i was raised jewish pretty mm, not super conservative but um my my father's side of the family was orthodox and so there were certain things that were taken very seriously um I tried bacon for the first time last year. <laughs> um, but growing up in the Jewish temple was really beautiful, and I I really loved it for a very long time. And similar to you, Tony, I I also did the confirmation thing. I, I did the bat mitzvah, uh, mm-hmm. and then I did um, confirmation. Um, but my mom is, you know, super super spiritual and kind of a hippie. And I was reading goddess books from like age eight on very passionately. Mm -hmm. And so I always had some kind of like tenderness in exploring other spiritual practices. And when I was in confirmation class, um, I had this like really challenging experience with our rabbi. So I was in confirmation and the rabbi asked all of us if someone hits you, what are you supposed to do? And, uh, everyone responded, oh, like you're supposed to, you're supposed to hit them back. And I was just like, you know, what? Like, that's crazy. You do not hit them back. Like you say, like, Hey, I didn't like that you hit me. Like, I don't want to be hit. Um, and then the rabbi was like, well, like, what if someone bombs your country? What are you supposed to do? And everyone was like, you're supposed to bomb the other country back. And I was just like, sobbing because I was just like this is not what religion is supposed to be about and I I kind of understand what the rabbi was trying to do and that you know you have to like stand up for yourself perhaps but it was just a really like painful thing for me to experience that um you know a religion would be teaching and it's not even about the religion at that point it's about the culture and the Israel um, you know conflict I was so like upset because I wanted religion to be a spiritual, safe, creative place. And I remember I I came home just in tears and my mom was like, you don't have to go, you don't have to do confirmation. And I remember I got a book on Kabbalah and I just was like, wow, this is so, so much more resonant for me. And it was really beautiful talking about the balance of light and dark and the creation. And it talked about, you know, certain things in Judaism that were a bit more cerebral, I suppose. And then I got really into, you know, my goddess stuff and connecting with my pagan witchcraft practice. And I still really respect a lot of Judaism. And I I find so much beauty in the ritual and lighting candles on Friday night. It's It's a practice I like to do to connect with my ancestors. But for me, it's so much more fun to kind of look at all of the different religions and find the similarities in all of them and find what works for you. And so I've kind of had religions be my buffet and I have my own spiritual plate I've, I've arranged for myself. <laughs> I'm also really connected to Nordic magic and I'm getting really into Icelandic and Viking shamanism. Mm. So that's, that's kind of where my magic is right now. <laughs>
1: I love that the common similarity I hear so much in each of our answers is this delicate, compassionate holding and embracing of different aspects of different religions and ideologies and spiritualities without demonizing <laughs> a little a little on the nose with so that word choice. Um but you know like or throwing out any of the other ones you know like just being able to hold them and hold them compassionately without buying into one and disregarding others seeing being able to see the value and beauty Mm. in the diversity there
3: yeah and i think that that's an important thing because religion it kind of took a turn somewhere right like i believe that religion (laughs) was meant to be spiritual but then it kind of got to, uh, how do we control the people place? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least in my historical reading and anthropological findings of different- Those Crusades. Theologies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's important to me to, I don't know, I guess I'm kind of trying to make sure that my ancestors weren't just eating a lot of shit and calling it religion. So I, just, I try and find something that I can still honor. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Jesus Christ was a cool guy. Like mm-hmm. in general, if you get to that first Testament, God bless you. But the second Testament is really, the new Testament is kind of cool and it, and it gives you hope, but it's not, it, to me, it's not like, okay, and now you go to church and mm-hmm. you do things this way and you give money. And I don't know the hypocrisy that comes up, maybe people are the variable mm-hmm. that I'm most concerned with. And that's why most of my practicing is alone mm-hmm. and we call on the goddesses because calling on your friends doesn't always bring you to that place
1: yeah that's so true and also like makes me think of how like for me i have read the bible like the whole thing and like (laughs) yeah it's
3: number
1: one selling book (laughs) i do my research but the thing that was so striking to me about it was more the aspects of like love your neighbor love everybody Mm. and Whilst you don't have to necessarily agree with everybody and everything that they practice, like love them equally and Mm -hmm. love them the same. And it's so sad to me that my observance, at least because I'm not in any organized religions anymore, are quite the opposite. And the level of judgment, like the frenzy and the fervor with which um, a lot of religious people pursue topics like gays shouldn't mm. get married you know all of this mm. stuff i'm like okay do you feel that passionately about other stuff in the bible because i've read it and it is nuts like some of the stuff like if you wear mixed fabric clothing you should be stoned to death there's or like you can't eat you know fish and pork or whatever like there's so many like tattoos, really yeah no so, tattoos things. yeah you know there don't plant your crops like you can't plant crops next to each other how many people do drive around seeing planting crops next to each other? It's it's necessary for permaculture. <laughs> I mean, it's like... And I don't... I've never heard once in my life a religious person get real mad about mixed fiber fabrics. <laughs> but let me tell you... I'd be excited for that. It's of equal importance in the Bible. Like, there's minimal reference
0: to homosexuality being a sin. Just saying. Yeah, you know, there's just, like... in. Each major uh, Western religion and, and pretty much all religions, what I find so valuable and what most people really connect to is the stories mm. and, you know, the story of Moses wandering through the desert for 40 years mm. and and just all of these stories that a lot of people... and. This includes mythology as well. People find connection to because they're relatable experiences a lot of the times. They teach you about loss or they teach you about growth or, or, you know, there's just so many things that we learn from these stories. And we have to remember that we don't take these texts literally. They are symbolically and metaphorically there to teach us and to guide us and support us. Um, I mean, that's just my personal belief. Um, but- yeah how much beautiful wisdom can we
1: learn from works like the Bible and yet how attached do people become to some really small, small specifics. And like I was mentioning earlier, I hold myself as my judge and juror. So for me, reading a book like that, yeah, there's amazing wisdom. There's amazing advice and there, there are important values and morals in there that for me resonate as something mm-hmm. that I can hold dear. Mm-hmm. Obviously as like a big homo myself, I'm never going to get down with like burn us all. Right. But Can we hold those ideas against our own personal values and see what resonates is is Mm. what I'm saying.
3: And the judgment that you were bringing up, Bella, that's that's really people judging themselves out loud and in a different direction, right? So the people who are making sure that they go to church and, and confess their sins and then they leave church and they're doing all those things again, I mean... I, I have trouble with that, and I try and find compassion for those people because as a Buddhist, that's basically it. It's kind, kind love and compassion always mm-hmm. and just holding your hand to your heart and recognizing that you're creating the energy around you. Mm-hmm. And so when I talk to people who are in a religious headspace, right? like some of my family is still very religious, I just use God to replace any of the energy that I'm talking Mm. about. And then I Mm -hmm. find that that communication works, right? just being like, and God is guiding you. And I know what my God is, Then they know what their God is. And, and when I talk (laughs) about prayer, I had a whole conversation with a Lyft driver about the power of prayer. And he immediately thought that it had religious connotations. And I was like, no, it's the power of putting things into practice. Mm -hmm. It's the power of getting yourself into a rhythm and getting you to a place where you're speaking into the world what you want to get back. And it can be as simple as what beautiful of a day it is and how you hope that all of the days are this beautiful yeah mm-hmm. and then honoring that every day can be beautiful and it might not be the way you need it to be but mm-hmm. you can find beauty and grace in that that's mm-hmm.
1: true and i think you know linguistics and semantics are so important and how interchangeable they can be <laughs> for our value system
0: her head. Very. <laughs> i think we should probably do like a whole separate podcast uh on religion versus yes. spirituality and- i really would love to have people who don't necessarily practice sex magic, but just people from different religions. Yeah. The Catholics and sex might not give you much. Well, <laughs> you know,
1: if there's there. anyone listening that is like, in any of these modalities that we're talking about that wants to come and chat with us Mm -hmm. like reach out to us we'd love to have you on absolutely
3: because I mean if you're giving yourself love Mm -hmm. right in a religious way and not just religiously but also with that higher power in mind Mm -hmm. if you're waiting to have sex right if you're so religious that that is a part of your experience you can still have all of that love Mm -hmm. that can blossom through just knowing yourself and finding the ritual and the magic of being Mm. the divine feminine incarnate
1: and isn't waiting for sex before marriage well one side note kind of kinky but two it's it's an intention you're setting the intention that you Mm want to wait to have this physical representation of your love until you feel a commitment where you feel safe so Mm. to me
0: that is kind of sex magic it's beautiful it is yeah i mean yeah (laughs) going back to sex magic how often and in what ways do we practice sex magic
3: the way that I most often practice sex magic is not as sex oriented. Uh, I'm a very sexual person naturally. And so everything I do is kind of like graced with Venus, Taurus, mm-hmm. Taurus, what's up? Mm-hmm. And um, so when I'm taking time to myself, it's like, it's all about my love language, which is food. It's nice music. I mm-hmm. like the touch of things but I don't necessarily want to be like tiring myself out touching myself I'm very lazy oh I'm so lazy but I'll like make sure I'm wrapped in something that feels nice and I'm very quiet in the way that I'm sexually stimulated uh, it doesn't take much you can touch just like one part of my neck and it's like okay I'm done um, so when I'm practicing my own stuff it's all like a sensual meditative experience. Mm-hmm. I very very rarely do I um, masturbate with an intention, which is totally about to change. Get out of the way. 2018, <laughs> 2019 is coming harder than I am. Right. So here we go.
1: Oh my God. I'm dead.
0: So more often to come. Mm, <laughs> more but I'm shing. I wanted to say that I, you know doing this podcast and and talking about sex magic a lot like i want to share with my listeners that like hey i don't do sex magic that that often um and that's totally okay and there are, i go through phases in which i'm like yeah like i'm going to be super sensual with myself and like masturbate with intention a lot and and then i'll go through phases where my spiritual practice is you know, it takes a backseat and I I work on more just like self-care and maybe taking care of my health. And, and it's totally okay. I think to be in flux and, you know, flow with the rhythms of, of what you need that time. Um, and you know, I want to incorporate more sex magic and, and hearing, you know, all of my co-hosts share all of their experiences has been very inspiring as well. And I've learned new ways to practice, um, and for me, I do I do sex magic with my partner, probably hmm, seasonally. Mm. It's like a it's a special thing, and there's a lot of preparation that goes before it, and though. My partner and I have been doing this new thing that has been so amazing. It's part of kind of our our DS dynamic in which on Mondays he has me pull two tarot cards and then we have to talk about it for the week and see how that um, like things I might need to work on or we need to work on our dynamic. But it's like we're using tarot as part of of our sexuality and our our BDSM dynamic, which has been really fun. Um, He also suggested that I wash his feet like Mary Magdalene, and I'm all about that. (laughs) So, you know, just being flexible and going with the flow for me right now is where I'm at with my sex magic practice.
1: I think with my own sex magic, honestly, pretty much every time I masturbate, I engage in a level of sex magic. I think it's, I like, Tosca, that you brought up sort of the realities of being like a sex magic practitioner of how it's like, I don't know. I think people maybe have an idea of what it's like and that we're always like burning candles (laughs) and pouring the wax on ourselves and like shrieking to the goddess. And sometimes we are, (laughs) but honestly, like (laughs) for me, my sex magic practice is most central around my masturbation. It is very key intent. So I never masturbate without intent, but I want to be clear. Sometimes that intent is I have three minutes before I need to leave the house and I just want to feel good for three minutes. And that is a clear intent and accomplishing it is beautiful. But I also do a lot of work in manifestation, masturbation, which you can read about. We'll link it again in the show notes. (laughs) Um, So a lot of the time I'll be masturbating and using sex magic for decision making. I'll be using it for trying to cultivate or draw in a new energy or something really specific like that. I don't engage in a lot of sex magic with my partner, which is something that we might look at and change in 2019. Um, But we have in the past and it's been really
2: beautiful. It's just not a real regular part of our practice. Phoenix here. So for myself, uh, some ways I like to uh, practice sex magic are actually solo as well. Um, We've discussed in the past using uh, sex magic uh, in manifestation and using your orgasm, um, while visualizing what you really want and your intent to get what you want. And you can do this with a partner too. Um, but it's just something I've done more regularly with myself over the years when in a relationship or not. Um, I have used sex magic with partners, but it's not something that's been consistent uh, simply because it's something that's so personal to me that I feel like the intent has to be very like mutual. And it can be for yourselves, or it can be for for nature or for something else. But it, I guess, it just totally depends on the person and the time. As far as how often, um, I try to do this weekly, um, or at least um, with new and full moons, to try and give it that extra boost. Mm.
0: Reflections on love, sex, and magic. What are some experiences we've had in these realms that we feel have impacted us deeply? When I was thinking about this question, I I kind of was just thinking of, like, you know those, like, landmark moments where you're just like, oh, like a light bulb goes off, or it's just, like, so divine that you just, like, kind of hold that memory, like, really preciously? Um, I was just curious if you guys had any of those moments, um, specifically in the realm of spirituality and sexuality.
3: I'm debating whether or not this is too personal to share.
1: <laughs> I'm doing the exact same thing. Um, <laughs> I'm like sifting
3: through them and being like, which can I share? No, no, I have the one and it's so particular, um, mm. It was just it was just the most bizarre experience in the best way. I was out at a bar for someone's birthday and I noticed someone staring at me from across the bar. And me, being me, I wave him over and I'm like, "What are you staring at? You come here." And he comes over and he's looking at me and I'm like, "What's your deal? What's going on?" And he's like, "Are you psychic?" Oh. <laughs> And I hesitated because that's the question I've been getting for a really long time, and I just decided that the answer was no a really long time ago, but I know the answer is not no, I'm just not ready, or I wasn't. And then I met this person, and this was a few years back, and I was like, why are you asking me this question? And he said, because I have psychic visions, and I've been having these visions, and I would love to talk to someone. And I was like, "Okay, great. So let's talk about this." So we talked for a little while and and we expanded on what he was seeing, and I gave him a little advice as to what I do when I see things that I'm not ready for. And then my partner came over and was like, "Isn't she wonderful?" And he said, "Yeah, she's fantastic." And my partner says, "Would you like to come home with us?" And he says, "Yes, I would." And so he comes home with us, and we have a really spectacular threesome mm-hmm. that was just, it was just so much about being there for and with one another. Mm-hmm. And I never spoke to that young man again, I never saw him again, but every time I think about him, I'm always like, I hope he gave his grandma a really big hug before she passed, mm-hmm. and I hope that he continues to go out into public places and ask people randomly if they're like anything. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's kind of where all
3: of those things came to a head. And I was really wondering, who am I that this is what (laughs) happened at just like a regular bar with seemingly regular people?
0: Mm -hmm. Similar uh, energetic frequencies perhaps find each other. (laughs) I think the two that
1: stand out to me most would be the first time that I ever worked with crystals in a sexual way. (laughs) <laughs> um, after going through some really significant sexual trauma, I had heard before in the past a little bit about yoni eggs and crystal healing. I already had like a pretty good collection of crystals at that stage in my life, but I never explored that. And all of a sudden, I remember I woke up one day and I was like, I need a rose quartz yoni egg and I need it today. Mm-hmm. And I just like went to the store. I knew they would have the perfect one. I would never been to the store. I just... I just knew and I went and got it and I remember taking it home and cleansing and setting my intention to just feel okay in my body again and it was a psychic year of remembering it but it was just so fucking beautiful to feel like I could come home to myself again mm. and it was like a really big turning point in my life. And I I still have a regular yoni egg practice, but feeling the magic of the crystal like radiating through my body really like woke me up again to my own power and my own magic.
3: Mm. You Um, really can't do anything but be like, okay, I submit, I'm here, okay. (laughs) It's just so powerful when you unlock
1: it again. It's like getting domed by a crystal. You're like, okay. (laughs) I got nothing left (laughs) with me. (laughs) And then my my other one that really stands out to me is actually how Tosca and I met, which is that I bought a love magic candle from her back in the day. (laughs) And my partner and I, he had never done any sex magic, maybe never, probably never any magic. I don't know why I said maybe he's never done any magic in his life at that point. Um... And god love him he was like okay let's
2: sit down <laughs> with
1: you and do this ritual and Aww. like i can see he's rolling his eyes internally but he's you know doing his best and uh to be present and we set our intention we lit the candle we were intimate fast forward past that for his own privacy and it was really a particularly beautiful time with him and then we still love about this is this day and i have these photos every day for like a week or two and it's I guess it's important to note that at the time when Tosca was making these candles part of the logo on them was a moth and every couple of days for about two weeks a moth died in my house in like prayer position and the first time it was by the candle and then other times it was just like in really significant areas of my house like at my altar or at my desk or at our dining table they like died kneeling up in this prayer position and we joke about it because I'm like we I have bought two from her and I still years later haven't lit the second one because I'm like I don't want a cat to like show up dead on my door because that was some powerful ass magic but it was amazing
0: I love that story <laughs> when you, when you like texted me about that and sent me the pictures of the moth, I was like, Holy crap,
3: what if have- <laughs> what if you done And that
1: was like my first experience, like engaging in sex magic with a partner, mm-hmm. and to have that many animals sacrifice themselves for our magic, which I did not ask for. I hope that's abundant for my personality, but just to make that super clear, I definitely wasn't like, <laughs> Die for our <owl> sex, <laughs> but yeah. I'm pretty, I'll I'll report back to you guys and what happens when we light the second one.
0: Um, so I think I'll share my, like, I'll just share one really impactful experience. And it was actually quite simple. I had just gotten out of a two year off and on uh, abusive relationship and I was completely lost and had no idea how to like, I don't know, remember my own needs and all this stuff. Um, And I went to this wonderful witchcraft store in Long Beach called the Eye of the Cat, which I highly recommend going to if you've never been. They do have like two black cats just hanging out and it's it's very old school. It's not it's not minimal or clean. It's messy and dusty and fantastic. And I got a couple of ceremonial oils and i just intuitively knew what i needed to do and and i started a practice of showering every morning or bathing every morning and then um setting up i had like my altar kind of close to the ground and i would set my altar up and i would anoint myself naked with these oils and it was very sensual and it was really simple but it was like the first time i had given myself silence after a very long time, and maybe probably ever, and it it did feel sexual sometimes, and other times it just felt intimate um just with myself uh, and I did that practice for like a year or two, and it completely transformed my my life. I really started to develop a uh, a powerful relationship and started to respect myself a lot more, mm. just because I gave myself that that small ritual every day so.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) So let's reflect on 2018 briefly and share some of our goals or dreams and visions for 2019 as we approach
2: this beautiful new year. So some um, reflections that I've had over the last year have been actually really difficult. I've been going through some really magical, magical deep transformation but it's it's not pretty and fun at all but it's actually really (laughs) exciting at the same time because I feel like I'm unwrapping this shell of myself and it's a learning it's a lot of things um it's learning more conscious communication it's um learning to step outside of my ego more often and and not exist from that place where I like need to identify as as specifically and um the way I love uh, my friends and my family and um, you know romantically and there's just so many different things that I've had to kind of like look in the mirror with over the last year especially it's definitely been going on through my whole Saturn return but I'm still going through a few things like astrologically (laughs) um, um, that have sort of made it a little bit more challenging for me this year but I'm I'm really happy to say that I'm finding a lot of solutions to these problems and so 2019 is really going to be about focusing on prioritizing my self-care and not just you know the relaxing parts but reprioritizing the type of self-care that I do and making sure that um I take care of my needs before my wants because if I don't do that, I end up suffering later on. And it's little things like that and also taking care of the people in my life. Um, I say I'd have a lot of growth and a lot of change over the last year. And I'm really looking forward to what the next year brings because I'm feeling stronger and, and happier and more in tune with myself and I definitely um I said this in our in our episode about mental health um but I really really can't say enough good things about therapy and going back to therapy in 2018 was a huge catalyst to um going into deeper levels of this self-improvement so wishing you all the best in the new year and hope you have some transformation yourself
1: 2018 has been really really powerful and transformational for me and one of the simple things that I've done differently this year which I will continue to do next year is lean into the retrogrades Mm. I have fought retrogrades every year prior and like talk shit about them being like oh Gatorade right (laughs) (laughs) but that was just me being petty because they were like slamming me I'm also towards the end of my Saturn return so I've just had a lot of change and integration this year and really had to step into my power and step into my skills as a healer and start moving away from all of the kind of bullshit and white noise in my life. And it's been really challenging, but But leaning into the energy of each retrograde and with my partner, we talk about the retrogrades beforehand, during and after Mm -hmm. and like what we're learning, what we're integrating, how can we do this together? And that has been so transformational instead of fighting it one, like particularly this Venus retrograde was really powerful for our relationship because we looked at it as okay, the universe is shining a light on the things that we haven't looked at and that we need to look at. Let's do this together and let's strengthen ourselves and our relationship through this. And I think that that overarchingly has been a really key theme for me this year.
3: Hmm.
1: So 2019, oh, it's going to be powerful. I can just (laughs) feel it. And nine uh, in my tarot work is the contemplation before completion. So Hmm. I think that 2020 is going to be even more explosive, but... 2019 i'm going to be slowing down a little bit more i'm going to be listening to myself more and continuing to work on my self-care and self-love practice because i've been taught through 2018 how deeply that ripples out to not just my clients not just my friends not just my family but my community and the country and the whole world so
3: Mm. that's my goals oh 2018 i knew you well um This year flew by for me. Mm. Like, wow, it's already over. I feel like it's February right now. Right. (laughs) And that's a particularly interesting thing for me because I've been slowing down in my active life over the last couple years due to a back injury that's been a blessing in a lot of ways because I needed to slow down. And so that's brought me back to the, the rituals and the manifestation without working really hard or working really actively. Um, I've had a lot of time to reflect not only on how I let my back get to the place that it did, but also mm-hmm. who I let break my back on the way. Ooh. So the boundaries have been paramount in in my growth making sure to cut my ends and I don't just mean on my fro gotta cut all them dead ends and um I'm really looking forward to 2019 because I feel like the energizer bunny that's finally put the battery back in. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm finding it's not as hard for me to leave the house. Like there was a lot of energetic stuff that I opened myself up to that I just wasn't ready to cope with. Mm -hmm. And so 2018 has been a lot of go out to a party, come home and light some Palo Santo and drink my healer's tea and reflect on why I hung out with those people in the first place. Mm -hmm. And that's not to pass judgment on anyone. I love everyone exactly where they are in their journey, but really not taking on the emotional labor of other people's journeys just because I can. Mm. That's definitely a thing that I want to make sure to move forward with, Mm. especially with all of my acting stuff coming up. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So 2018 for me was, now that I'm looking back on it, it was kind of a big year. Um, I graduated herbalist school. I started this podcast. Um, I honestly, I think I just stopped caring what people think of me as much. And I just am pursuing all the things that I want to do without like being concerned of how I might be perceived. Um, I, came out a little bit about my experience with, um, sexual abuse in high school. Uh, I started using the name Tosca in a more public sphere. Um, and just, you know, really owning who I am, which I think this was just like a, you know, some baby steps were taken this year. And I think 2019 is going to be allowing myself to really step into that role. Of of myself, and I feel like also, as I was going through um, my plant medicine apprenticeship, I I had a lot of a lot of growth with the support of the plants that I work with, and I feel like I let go of my child, and I stepped into the role of a uh, of a woman, and that was really hard and and painful, but I'm I'm ready to to claim that title now. Uh, and I had some really wonderful new relationships this year, and some have come and passed, and I'm grateful for what I learned from them. And one of the things I really took away from from one of my relationships is is living with intention and how powerful that is and something that I'm going to try to put more into practice. Can we, like, seeing this
1: is an episode about getting to know your hosts, I was just thinking, can we do, like, one, like weird little like something you might not know about me oh God, can yeah. we please <laughs> yes. okay if you have a secret talent or secret yeah like, just something weird because i was just thinking about one that is really dorky about me which is that eminem the rapper and i share the same birthday <laughs> so that's a fun fact about me
2: beautiful
1: <laughs> i guess the side bottom mine is i'm also a huge dork so.
3: <laughs> that um, was the thing we weren't supposed to know about you yeah oh okay oh i have no, one. people might, might not, not know, not know. The um, cool.
0: i grew up performing as a princess at birthday parties it's a really big part of my development it's so beautiful yeah. oh, oh i love that. Yeah. like
3: thousands that's mm-hmm. so pretty Yep. Yeah.
0: <laughs> my first job was as a magician's assistant <gasps> at a theme park nice oh, i've always wanted to be a magician's assistant sounds Sounds hot, right? That's kind of like a kink. You're going to spice me in half? (laughs) Okay.
3: It was not that kinky. (laughs) So good. (laughs) I guess that's it.
1: That's a good one. You have a closer?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you guys for joining us. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed getting to know us a little bit more. And I feel like we'll probably do these every now and then. Um, Happy New Year. Thank you for joining us for the Sex Magic Podcast. You can find us at sexmagicpodcast.com on Instagram at sexmagicpodcast or send us an email or a recorded audio clip if you'd like us to answer your question live at sexmagicpodcast at gmail.com.